Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. I'm very happy to be with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> we are glad you are back. Yeah. Hello and welcome. We are a week into January already, but in addition to what we're feeling this week, we wanted to share our top 10 films of 2016 and hit some of the surprises that happened at the Golden Globes last night. But before we get into that, let's introduce ourselves and share what movie are you mad you gave your money to in 2016? I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee, and it's not my most hated film of 2016, but um, I'm really mad that I gave money to Doctor Strange because I should have known better. I didn't stick to my morals and like not go see the film with whitewashing in it, and I paid dearly for it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm amazed that you picked that instead of Suicide Squad, but... That's true. That's true. My my reason is that Suicide Squad had great trailers. I had every reason to be excited about it and put my money forward towards it. Doctor Strange, I like had reasons not to go see it and I went and saw it anyway. So I'm like disappointed in myself. Whereas like (laughs) Suicide Squad, I'm disappointed in them. I see. Well, Sandra has let all of us down, but my name, (laughs) (laughs) my name's Lawson Soward. I am a art director in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, the movie that I am most mad I gave my money to is not even close. It's Batman the Killing Joke. Oh, yeah. Yes, because you went, uh, you saw it in theaters. I went to the Fathom events. I was so excited. I was so upset at how, that having paid for that movie, that I think I wanted it to be, like, I couldn't fully accept how terrible of a movie it was because I had paid money for it. And whenever it finally sunk in, I was furious. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Gosh. Well, I am Lucas Wright, a designer from the Bay Area, and guys, there is not a single film that I paid for this year that I was upset with. Oh. But but I begrudgingly gave my money to Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. But that is the film that I'm most disappointed in the fact that I had to give money to. <laughs> <laughs> Every week, we like to talk about something we've discovered or rediscovered throughout the week. So let's talk about what we're feeling. Lawson, what are you feeling this week? This week, I am feeling the Ava DuVernay documentary 13th. Have you guys seen that? No, I know it's something I need to see, and I just haven't buckled down to, to watch it. It's, well, it's going to be rough, but it's in my queue for 2017. Yeah, the most important thing about this documentary is the feeling of moral superiority you get whenever you've seen it and other people haven't. Oh, <laughs> that, that's the most important thing? Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I joke because I laugh to keep from crying. Uh, this documentary is incredible. Uh, it's very, very good. Um, the cradle-to-prison pipeline is something that I knew about uh, in theory, but had never had a uh, coherent uh, narrative, or um, I never listened to experts talk about it. 
this this film just does an amazing job. It does an amazing job of um, putting the pieces together and really delving deep into the history of race in our country. And um, I I just my my the biggest encouragement I can give is to go watch this. It is free on Netflix. You will not be sorry that you did. It's heavy. Um, it should be heavy. There's a lot of heavy, difficult stuff about our country. Um, I think it's really important. I think it, this should be the baseline of knowledge from which we have a lot of the conversations that need to be going on right now. Um, I Afterwards, it was weird because I thought that I would just feel really bad after seeing this movie because it's uh, so awful and exposes so many awful things. But I honestly felt a sense of uh, gratitude after it um, because I was just so thankful to know all of these things that I have been seeing playing out with this sense of not just helplessness and despair, but a sense of just kind of why. And, you know, some of that is just inherent uh, darkness in human nature, but this film really does a great job of uh, exploring the history of it and um, it just, it helped me come to a better understanding and I was I was really grateful for that. And so with all the difficulty that came from watching this movie, there's also just a huge sense of gratitude that I have to Ava DuVernay and to all of the experts that were interviewed for everyone putting together their time to come up with this. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff in conversation right now about uh, minority or people of color uh, bearing the burden of explaining things to uh, white folk like myself. And I don't like the idea of putting people in that position, but I do know that there are blind spots and that there are areas in my life where I have a lot of ignorance. And so I'm just really, really thankful for movies like 13th. Um, it's, it's really good. I don't want to try to summarize or get into any of it. I just recommend that you watch it. Um, if you want to have something to kind of, you know, uh, go on the up afterwards um <laughs> if you want to have like a, a 30 rock or a sitcom in the queue afterwards that's you know do what you have to do um to take care of your mental health in this situation but um it's it's stuff that we need to know so anyway uh i know it's a, a fun year-end review and this almost uh not to give anything away it's almost made it onto my top 10 of the year and i just saw it saturday night and i got to see it with a uh, a panel of people who have worked a lot in maximum security prisons and with someone who had been in prison for 30 years and was now out um, on this panel and they discussed things about it and uh, answered questions afterwards which was just a really good experience it was um, something that the church that Lindsay and I attend put on a, a public screening and all we did was um, well, we didn't do it I didn't organize anything but it had free pizza um, and uh, projector and they sent out Facebook invitations to people at the church and just from other people in those networks seeing the invitation um, there were like 75 people there so it was really cool um, not only to, to see it but to see it with a group of people and so that might be my uh, secondary recommendation with this pick with what I'm feeling is uh, I really was feeling seeing this movie with a diverse group of people. Um, mm. I think that's really important. The kind of conversations that come after that 
are really helpful and um, it's it can be really hard. And you know, when you're talking about big systematic problems, um, if you you know finish watching something like that to just feel like helpless and like what can I even do? But if you're in the room, even with just a couple more people, um, and you all are now in a place of uh, newfound knowledge, it's it's really encouraging to know that, you know, to be able to have those conversations and be like, all of us know more now and um, are now interested in uh, making a change. So Yeah. I, I would also say, Lawson, I haven't seen it, but speaking about like watching something like this in a group, I don't know about everyone, but for me personally, I think when I watch something hard or dark um, by myself, my it's a little bit easier to kind of like shut off my emotions and kind of like think more analytically or like maybe just get like um, frustrated and turn it off. And when I watch something like that in a group of people, I feel like I have a much open, a much more open heart. And, mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's an important like gift that community gives us is like that ability, ability to like all feel similar emotions. Like when we're going through something or like experiencing a piece of, um, art or, um, information. And so I feel like that's a really, really great suggestion. I, I agree with your sentiments on community completely. This is a movie that has been on my queue since it came out. Like I was so, yeah. as soon as I saw it, I was like, okay, that's definitely something I'm going to watch. But until there was a, a time and a place where I was watching it with other people, I had never gotten around to it. So, um, Set up a thing with some friends, <laughs> have a have a viewing party or um, whatever. You know, I don't know, I don't know how to yeah. put that together. I was fortunate to be in a place where someone else was um, doing the footwork on that, and I got to kind of reap the benefits of it. But uh, yeah, I I agree completely with your sentiment there, Sandra. Well, I feel like since the election, I've had so many conversations with friends where we talk about just like our fears and our frustrations and like our desire to be like active and um doing work and not that watching a movie is work but like if when you have those conversations with your friends which i'm assuming plenty of other people are having as well um this is a like a really great suggestion to be like hey i know that this movie like is very related to a lot of the things that we're frustrated with um why don't we all get together and watch it um that's a great way to like start get things like that started yeah definitely Yep. Well, cool. Thanks a lot, Lawson. That's that's definitely moving higher up in my queue than it is right now. Sandra, what are you feeling this week? Well, on an entirely different note. Bring it. <laughs> Bring the note. <laughs> yes. So um, I saw Moana this weekend in preparation for making our top 10 list. And um, I have like a lot of mixed feelings about Moana. I thought it was mm. really good. I didn't, I, you know... Any mixed feelings I have are not, like, harsh criticisms of this film. If you want, like, a great, fun Disney film to go to, this is it. So I have lots of really great things to say. In fact, um, I think the animation is some of the best animation I've seen outside of Pixar from Disney. Um, mm -hmm. I think yeah. it's really, really beautiful animation. Um the movie is itself was just like an okay like Disney movie for me. It, but um, one of the things that um, 
really impacted me while watching this movie was the opening number. Um, and uh, you know, I was in tears just in the very first number. Of and course. I, <laughs> yeah. And I knew that the opening number wasn't the song that is being nominated for like Golden Globes and what probably, you know, I knew that that wasn't mm-hmm. the one that was going to get nominated for an Oscar. Um, I keep hearing about this other song in the movie that I hadn't heard before. And so um, the song is How Far I'll Go. And when I heard this song in Moana, I was really confused because it didn't really do much for me. Um, it is the classic I Want song in a Disney movie. Are y'all familiar with this um, as mm-hmm. a category? Yep. Yeah. So for anyone who's not, Howard Ashman is like a famous lyricist um, for musicals and a lot of the Disney musicals that are really, really good, like Beauty and the Beast and The Little Mermaid. And in um, this great documentary about Disney movies called Waking Sleeping Beauty, he... It's the best. Oh, it's so good. Um, It's so good. He describes what an I Want song is, and he says that it's usually around the third song in a musical. Sometimes it's the second, sometimes it's the fourth, but it's where your leading lady sits down and sings about what she wants in life. And he says this is so important because that moment, the audience falls in love with her and then roots for her to get it for the rest of the show. And um, it's typically a woman, but it doesn't always have to be. And so the Disney musical movies are like really, they have I Want songs like down to a science. MTV Mm -hmm. has this really great piece about um, where they rank all the I Want songs from music from Disney musicals with part of your world to the little mermaid being, I think objectively the best I want song um, that there has ever been. Um, so how far I'll go is the I want song in Moana and I want songs are so important to me in musicals. I feel like that really is what makes me fall in love with the musical or not. And this one, that song just didn't do a lot for me. It's not, bad but it just wasn't anything special um and i think that's one of the reasons why this movie didn't like capture me as much as it has other people but i was re-listening to um the soundtrack today and i saw that there were some songs towards the end of the soundtrack that were um outtakes songs that weren't used in the movie but yeah they released the deluxe edition and on the second disc is where all those those outtakes and demo scores are and everything like that right and so i was listening on spotify so it was just like kind of down the list and Mm -hmm. um yeah and so there's these two songs that go hand in hand one is called more and then the other is the reprise of more and um after listening to those it was very clear to me that this was an alternate version of the I want song for Moana. Um, They obviously couldn't use both this one and How Far I'll Go. And they instead went with How Far I'll Go, which is much more sweeping of a song. But more, I think, is so special. And I think I would have felt a lot differently about this movie if I had heard this song played during the movie. It's not as grand as How Far I'll Go, but I think it's so much more clever and um, the lyrics feel much more like Lin-Manuel Miranda to me, which is part of Mm -hmm. another reason why I appreciate it so much. (laughs) And um, 
I re-listened to this song over and over today, and I really, really love it. I know where I am from the scent of the breeze, the ascent of the climb, from the tangle of the trees, from the angle of the mountain to the sand on our island shore. I've been here before. There's gotta be more. I know there's more. There's always more. Someday I'll be out on the sea, and I'm gonna see more. Yes, there's gotta be more. I know there's more. There's always more. Slow down. Sorry, I'm always in somebody's way. They do the same thing every day. They work, they eat, they sleep, they pray. They tell me more. Wanna calm down? That's all they ever seem to say. Um, I I can't get enough. Of those lyrics, and it feels a lot like um, a lot of the same themes from The Little Mermaid, which is probably why I appreciate it so much. Mm-hmm. There's a we'll we'll definitely get into arguing about Moana later when we <laughs> once we get into our top tens. But I, yeah, I, I I also really like this this song a lot. It's to me, it's sad that I I am of the other opinion that. Um, how far I'll go is one of the greatest songs that Disney's ever done. But <laughs> yes, um, yes, yes. But I do think that more is the second strongest song on the soundtrack, yes. and it's so sad that they both serve the same purpose. Right. And it could and that more couldn't also be um, in the in the in the actual movie. I think lyrically, it does a lot of right. great stuff in the same vein as How Far I'll Go, but. But lyrically, it's better, I think, mm-hmm. um, in, in in certain areas. But man, I love how far I'll go. <laughs> yeah. But but I'm so gl- I'm so glad they released it on the deluxe edition that we have more. Um, it's sung by uh, Marcy Harrell, I think. She, she uh, Harrell, something like she's that. She's like a Broadway star. And oh, that is she? also okay. might be a little bit of why I prefer it. I, it's definitely not the main mm-hmm. reason, but hearing it sung by a Broadway star definitely helps. Versus yeah. Um, a teenager a who has a beautiful girl. voice, but not a Broadway voice. Right, right. I, yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I was surprised that on this demo, <laughs> just kind of outtake one, that they have somebody with such a high quality voice on this um, on this track. But it sounds amazing. But I also want a full version of it as mm. well. Um, I want them to do a full recording of it, which we'll see how much, how much legs this song gets. But. Yeah, especially one with Christopher Jackson singing her father's lines Um, yeah seriously jackson his voice is so just means so much to me and that's (laughs) part of the reason i why i just started crying in the first song of this movie that first song really like kicked me in the stomach what is it with his voice it is so incredible like it's the most warm paternal like it feels like coming home (laughs) like it's so incredible i I teared up in that song too. Like I, as soon as that opening number happened, I was like, "Ooh, I'm in for it in this movie. This is <laughs> this is hitting me in the right spots." Yep. But yeah, I yep. agree. More is more is incredible. Um, I am in the camp with Lucas, but I am so glad that we get all of this music <laughs> yeah. to listen to. Yeah. There's not a lot that we'll bash about Moana. Nope. So. <laughs> well, cool. Sandra, that's a that's a fantastic pick for the week. I have also been listening to the soundtrack all week, and it is, oh, it's just so good. Really, I had finally um, stopped until you recommended this, and then I was like, well, now I'm listening to right all back of this into again. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, moving on to what I'm feeling this week, I'm feeling an app called Canopy. Um, this is something that I wish I had actually been using over. Uh, 
really over the, the past couple months as people were asking for, for Christmas gift ideas and stuff like that. I'm someone who always forgets about gifts until it's time for Christmas. And I never have like gift suggestions for, for people or anything like that. Um, but Canopy is an app that is, it's basically a curated Amazon list. Um, Lawson, you're, you're, you're on it. Sandra, you've, you've joined. This is, this is amazing. Basically you can discover all the best products that are on Amazon. Um, but really curated by a community with great taste. So, um, it it's it's basically it's basically a cleaned up UI with only good products that you can like collect. You can see other people's collections, people that you trust, uh, people have the same taste as you. You can follow them, and um, it's less of a social network than I'm making it sound. But <laughs> it really is just about finding good products um, that are that are all. Th- through Amazon that you can easily uh, get. I feel like a lot of times I, I look on Amazon for a lot of things, for most things. Um, Amazon, I feel like a lot of the time is like Walmart. It's just got the cheapest version of everything. But there's also tons of really good quality stuff there. Um, and this Canopy, the app, narrows that down to only show you what's good. So I would check it out. Yeah. Lucas, I texted you earlier today that I kind of hate you for recommending this to me because I'm so incredibly broke right now. And this app (laughs) is like, it's all like the cool things for your home that like you don't need, but you want so badly because they're so beautiful. Um, Yeah. it, It would have been really great to have like, not only like you said, for telling people what you want for like the holidays as presents, but also just sort of like finding gifts. I know that like, my dad's oh, yeah. really hard to shop for. And something like this, I feel like I could have found some, him something really cool. And um, it's I'm definitely like going to be just adding things to my list for those random days where you have $20 to spend and you want to buy something off of Amazon, your Amazon wish mm-hmm. list. Um, this will be my yep. go-to now. Yeah, it's yeah. so great. I mean, this is – I almost had my Amazon wish list down to nothing until I found this app and I was like, well, there's <laughs> always going to be plenty on there. Um, and yeah. I think it's a good mix of like outrageously priced things and also like surprisingly <laughs> affordable things. Like, True. There's, right, like, right. a beautiful dustpan that's like $60. And like, <laughs> I'm not going to buy a $60 dustpan even though it's gorgeous. But then there was also like another dustpan that was like $9 that wasn't as beautiful but still a lot better looking than the one I have. Uh, yeah. And so there's, there's a range, which is nice. Mm-hmm. It makes me want to buy everything, though, is the problem. That is very, very true. <laughs> yeah, there are so many cups. Like, there yeah. are all of these cups and tumblers that are so beautiful. And I, I love having, like, a set of cups. And so if I got all the different ones I wanted, it would be mismatched, and I would hate it, but I still want all of them. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Yep. It's uh, it's not going to go away anytime soon. So no. I will be I will be on Canopy for forever now. You all should go get it just like us, <laughs> and endure this <sighs> yep. much added, yep. added one. I mean, the thing is, you already you already buy stuff on Amazon, so you might as well do it through Canopy as opposed to through Amazon. It's true. Well, cool. Um, before we t- move into our top 10 films of 2016, the Golden Globes were last night. So real quickly, were there any surprise awards, surprise uh, nominations, surprise people on stage doing stuff that was weird at anything at all for, from, for you guys. 
I was just thrilled Donald Glover and Atlanta won. I did not expect that, and I was very, very excited when it happened. I expected it a little bit because the Golden Globes love to... Um, yeah, new shows it, with some buzz. They love to... Right. They love to reward something that's new. Yeah. And so because <laughs> this is the first season of Atlanta, I was hoping, I thought it might happen, um, but I'm so glad it did. And what was the... I'm trying to remember the name of the group that Donald Glover name-checked on his acceptance speech. Um, uh, crap. I wish I, I could remember it. Migos or Migos? M- Migos. That was it. I think it was Migos. Yeah. They've gotten... Uh, I think it's like 500,000 views on their... I mean, they've gotten so many views on their uh, Vivo for that song, for like their number one mm-hmm. song since his appearance. Like, it was so funny. Like, yeah, get it. <laughs> yeah. Glover That's what I would do if I, were, if, if I were famous. I would just name drop all these little things and just give them the biggest buzz. <laughs> yeah, local Atlanta talent. Yeah, it's great. Sandra, anything surprising for, from you for the Golden Globes? One of the most surprising moments for me was um or was it surprised me how much i disliked tom hiddleston in this show (laughs) i'm usually such a huge tom hiddleston fan i love him i love him performing i even love like thirsty pretending to date taylor swift tom hiddleston i'm kind of like (laughs) just on board and then last night he was just so gross and lame with his story <laughs> about going to South Sudan. Like if you're not familiar Basi- with it, he yeah. basically just says like, I have a story to tell you. And then you think like, Oh, he's going to like tell a story. And he talks about how he like went to the South Sudan to like work with these different charity organizations. And you think like, there's like this really impactful emotional story that's coming. And then the story basically ends with, People who work in the South Sudan came up to him and were like, we love you in the night manager. And he was like, I was just so proud <laughs> to provide those people with entertainment. And it was, just, it was just so self-congratulatory yeah. and tone deaf and privileged. And, um, oh, it just was just like a, a bad, bad moment. And I was really disappointed in him. Yep. <laughs> it was not great. Yeah. Um, how'd you guys feel about Jimmy Fallon? Oh, I hated Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> I hated Jimmy Fallon so, so much. Um, and, you know, when the show started and it was like an opening musical number, there was a small mm-hmm. part of me that was like, this is pretty fun. I love a good opening musical number. Um, right. This is a fun one. And then as soon as his monologue started, I was like, nope, this is why I didn't want Jimmy Fallon to be hosting tonight. Especially yep. when I real- when I thought of earlier in the day, like, can you imagine how great that show would have been if Billy Eichner had been hosting? <laughs> Billy Eichner oh, in a room true. full of drunk celebrities, like right after the election. <laughs> I, that would have been so great. He's not even on stage. He just walks around with a microphone yes, and a cord. Yelling at them all. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah that, he was to, to not be... the right host for this moment. Like he's oh, the no. most toothless not host that exists and this is a moment where i mean there were so many like meryl streep's speech was incredible and impactful and hugh laurie i mean there were there's a lot of social critique and acceptance speeches and i know that some people give flack like oh hollywood elites doing la 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 like i don't i don't think these people could have i don't think meryl streep 
wanted to use her Lifetime Achievement Award to talk about a politician. I think she just felt like it was a moral imperative. Right. Like, it's not... The fact that Jimmy Fallon either never will feel that moral imperative or does but decides it's not his job is such a testament to how wrong he was for that gig. But also, yeah. you know, here's the thing. Putting aside this election and, like, a need for someone with some teeth, which I think is important. It was just like a messy show, like just on a <laughs> oh, yeah, prompter showmanship went level, like mm-hmm. not any even just the technical part aside, which is also messy. It was just like across the board, and I don't put this all on Jimmy Fallon, but just like across the board, um, like no one would stop, people wouldn't stop talking when like it would come back from commercial break. And yeah, like, that's true. There was just so many things where I was like, guys, get it together. Y'all are all in show business. Like, <laughs> you should be able to do this in your sleep. And <laughs> this is just like, the the Golden Globes are usually supposed to be like, so messy, they're fun. And this was just kind of like messy They're in the way that they're very sad. Yeah, definitely. Um, I do want to say one other big thing that kind of surprised me about last night. And that was La La Land kind of sweeping most of the night. Um, it won everything it was nominated for. Yeah, and so I was... Which is the saddest. I, you know, here's the thing. I have really accept. I, I loved La La Land. I have really kind of accepted that, like, it's going to win Best Picture. Emma Stone's going to win Best Actress. Um, like, uh, you know, I kind of, like, come to terms with that. And I'm okay with that. Like, it, that doesn't really bother me too much. But to see, like, it win every category was... I think a little disheartening, especially when there's such amazing films this year, um, especially films like Moonlight. And um, Emily Nussbaum had a great tweet last night. She said, I haven't seen La La Land yet, and I still plan to like it, but now I also hate it. And (laughs) I think that really says so much about how La La Land winning every award last night, I don't think is a very good thing for it. Like, it it really just kind of like puts this like bad taste in everyone's mouth. And um, I feel like people would be much more excited about it winning best picture. If like it hadn't won everything at the golden globes. I don't know what you mean. It's like this underdog long shot, <laughs> like whoever thought <laughs> that oh, a musical that starring <laughs> driving me nuts last night. I couldn't. And someone else on Twitter pointed out like, there is some PR per- person at that studio that like told everyone in like every actor, director, producer, like this is the narrative and they all just kind of stuck with it. And mm-hmm. that was just like a, a bad choice, especially again, when there are films like Moonlight that it's competing against. Yeah. Well, not only was it competing against Moonlight, but in best original song, it was competing against Moana and not to bring it back to Moana, but <laughs> how far I'll Moana. go lost to City of Stars, which is a fun song in, in La La Land, but it is nowhere close to being better than how far I'll go. And it's not the best song in La La Land. It's not the best song in La La Land. But also, while we're on best original song, how did Sing, Trolls, and Gold get nominated and not Sing Street? What the I mean, heck, people? Yeah, that's gross. <sighs> that cat, that whole category is just a mess for me. It's terrible. Like and- I'm thinking about how weak City of Stars feels next to how far <laughs> I'll go. Like they don't I even know. feel like they're in the same 
category, like how many instruments and how many composers. Not that you have to have the most instruments to win or something, but one feels like an epic movie. I don't know, whatever, whatever. Sorry, <laughs> I'll get off. I'll, I'll get off on a tear. Yeah, we know how you feel about it. Well, we'll, we'll see this redeemed in the Oscars. We'll see it. Yeah. Yep. He's going to get that he got. And by that, I mean Sing Street's going to win it all in the Oscars. There's no <laughs> there's no double G in EGOT. It's for Grammy. You don't got to win a Golden Globe. You know what I mean? All righty then. Yeah. Well, when, moving on. Manuel Miranda can... Okay. <laughs> well, that's a great segue. Great segue, Lawson. <laughs> we are now going to start talking about... <laughs> Our top 10 films of 2016. So in talking about our top 10s, there are so many great movies this year. There are actually quite a few movies that I still need to see and that I think might have made it onto my top 10 if I'd seen them. Um, So let's go around and say what were our near misses that we did not, we're not able to see um, that might have ended up up there. For me, 20th Century Women is on there Mm -hmm. along with Hidden Figures and Silence, which I cannot find in a theater at all yet those three are on there for me i also didn't get a chance to see manchester by the sea or jackie or lion i think those are the main ones that i was mm. really wanting you to think see. all of those would have made it on your list or could have i mean you don't know. i think all of those could have been in contention i wanted to yeah. see them before yeah. making right. this list before and i just didn't have a chance i yeah. but i watched so many movies <laughs> i still there were so many like, I there were so many good ones <laughs> yeah i'm i love that there's so many good ones this year um I haven't gotten a chance to see Hell or High Water, Lion, Jackie, L, and then the last three are movies that aren't even in Nashville yet, so I couldn't have seen them even if I wanted to, and they also happen to be three movies that will probably be on my top ten once I see them. Like, I have a good feeling that mm. they'll be up there, and that's 20th Century Women, Patterson, and Silence. Yeah. Silence is, silence is, I think, made for us. Like, we are yeah. going to love that movie. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. the one I'm most excited about of those three now is Patterson. Um, I oh, think man. that one's going to be a real Sandra movie. Yeah. All right. Well, Lawson, since you're the only one on this list without a traditional, with a non-traditional film, kick us off with your number 10, Lemonade. Okay. Yeah. Number 10 on this list was Lemonade for me because I couldn't talk, I couldn't go with the top 10 or a top list of movies for this year, movies that affected me the most, works of um, film, works of visual art that were most impactful on me without mentioning Lemonade. Um, There were a lot of really good movies with narratives and screenwriters and all of the uh, traditional trappings of a movie that were great and did not make it on this list. Um, But Lemonade did. That movie, to me, nothing is more... 2016 then lemonade like nothing is more defined uh more defines uh all that is uh urgent about this year um it is some of the best music i have ever heard some of the most impactful visuals i've ever seen and it was a movie that whenever a film whenever i watched it that um was unlike a lot of other film going experiences that I get. I saw it, I didn't have any idea what it was, didn't have any idea what it was going to be. Um, I watched it with people I really cared about and it stirred something in me and like in the entire room and it was one of those things where it felt like the next day the whole world was different. And that's as much as I can ask for from a film. And so it, I wanted to you know, make sure I wasn't 
breaking the rules too bad. The rest of these, the films on my top 10 list are uh, traditional film picks, but uh, Lemonade is in the top 10 for me for this year. It is a movie that I will remember from this year, undoubtedly. You know, Lawson, if I if I had chosen to put Lemonade in my list, it probably would have been in like my top five or so because I feel so strongly about it. But it was such a tough year to pick like t- only 10 movies that I decided not to put it in my list just because it was non-traditional. Um, but I am right there with you. I think it's just like one of the most important things that came out in 2016. Hey, yep. as long as you guys didn't pick OJ Made in America, because that's a TV show. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's a TV show. Yeah. Well, keeping with the music theme, Sandra, your number 10. My number 10 is Sing Straight. And I got to say, this number 10 spot was hard to fill because I have a ton in my honorable mentions. But Sing Street was something I saw at South by Southwest this year. I rewatched it again with family over Christmas, and it delighted me both times. Um it's just like, it's so, such a tight movie. It does only what it needs to. It's delightful. It um, has a lot of heart. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, it's on Netflix. Go see it. That's all you need to know. Mm. I'm not going to say it's a perfect movie, but it's a perfect movie. It's not a perfect <laughs> anyway, movie, but it's anyway. very good. oh we will argue about this we will argue about this um anyway moving on to my number 10 um is a very weird weird movie the lobster um this is honorable mentions it's in your honorable mentions good 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 this movie is super weird but i enjoyed it so much um it's not a film that i would recommend to everybody um, but I would watch the trailer cause the trailer tells you exactly what kind of film this is. It's mm-hmm. way funnier than I thought it was going to be. Um, and cuts a lot deeper. So it stuck with me for a long time, but weird film you, at the end. I, I'm the only person that I know that really hated this movie. Every single person I've talked to is obsessed with this movie and it guys, it's so much darker than I thought it was going to be. And I think that, that is kind <laughs> oh, of what completely. Really did me in, um, I totally get why people love it. I think it's like expertly made. Um, mm-hmm. And it was one that just like, oh, did not sit well in my stomach. Yeah, I it's... expected this movie to be in my top 10. And after I saw it, <laughs> like I got halfway through it and I was like, this is definitely going to be in my top 10. And after finishing it, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, um, it's, I mean, John C. Riley is in it. There's some really funny moments in this film but it is all the darkest humor and it's such a a bleak worldview but a really really interesting and compellingly made and colin farrell with his chubby little body just gives the best (laughs) performance it's so good (laughs) oh man anyway speaking about another chubby little body moving on to lawson's (laughs) number nine hunt for the wilder people yeah Oh man, what a delightful movie. It is so good. Like I feel like we could have had a whole episode talking about this. It was just so good. Um the, I loved not knowing any of the actors in it. Um it made all of these people brand new. It made them real to me. Um and it was, a lot of the movie was very heightened, very stylized, you know, with different uh, chapter breaks and all that kind of a thing, but this movie was so authentic, so fun and so funny and so heartfelt um yeah i 
I laughed, I cried. I mean, it did it did everything that I wanted it to do in an, in a really uh, unique way. It's characters you don't, characters I hadn't seen before. A scenario where you might be like, oh, you know, sweet little crazy kid, grumpy old man. I know that story. Um, it was completely fresh. It took that premise and mm-hmm. made it completely fresh. I was just going to say, Lawson, this is also like on my honorable mention. So I feel like we're all going to like say each other's honorable mentions by the time it's we all on, are it's, done. It's on my honorable mentions too. Um, I'll say it. But, uh, <laughs> this movie, I think I've said this on a different episode, has my favorite trailer of all of 2016. It is like such an expertly... Oh, yeah crafted entertaining trailer like it's entertaining by itself and i think it also sets up the movie in such a nice way um and makes you like excited for the movie and um Mm -hmm. yeah so i would recommend people go watch this trailer because it'll make you want to watch this movie as soon as Mm -hmm. possible truth i have no segue for this one but (laughs) sandra you're number nine (laughs) my number nine is don't think twice um a new film from mike berbiglia about an, an improv group living in new york in which one of the members of the improv team gets um a role on like their equivalent of snl in the show and um it is such like a heartwarming tale. I'm a huge Mark Be- Mike, Mer- Mike Berbiglia fan, not Mark Berbiglia. Um, <laughs> and and uh, this movie made me so excited for his career as a director. Um, I watched his first film, Sleepwalk With Me, which was decent. I, I think it's good because of the material he's working with, with which is his stand-up material. But um, this movie made me excited for him. Like, oh, no, he's, like, learning how to be a director. And I think his, like, third or fourth movie is going to be, like, mind-blowing. Um, so I think I should highly I highly recommend it. Um, Gillian Jacobs is in it, and she gives, like, such an amazing performance. Like, really blow your mind performance. Um, so, and it has a bunch of smaller comedians that are not, like, major movie stars that are so so talented and i'm really excited to see them in this movie as well Uh, this is one i wanted to see in theaters and then i wanted to see when it came out on demand and i still haven't seen it and i'm like i'm in the same boat the fact that it could have made my top 10 is just now occurring to me because of course i I love everything (laughs) about this all the pieces of this film so that's awesome yep i will it's definitely one i'll i'll get around to as soon as possible well, my number nine is Kubo and the Two Strings. Um, this movie definitely had a lot of backlash for making an Asian movie and casting all white people in it. Um, and I 100% think that there's a lot of work to be done there. But this movie is so good. Um, it's Laika's fourth fourth movie. Um, and I've, I've, I like Laika. It's not a... Um, stop motion company that I've loved. Um, I, I I really like the box trolls. I liked uh, Coral Coraline. Is mm-hmm. that it? Yeah. I liked Coraline. Okay. It's a chorus line. Ah, ha 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 ha. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but this film really really stuck out to me. It was so just cleverly done. Um, and I stop motion in itself is amazing, and just the work that they did on this film is incredible incredible no it's not my favorite animated movie of the year but it is definitely i think the most beautifully animated movie of the year and it's one Mm -hmm. that i like loved so much yep yep and it's 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 always incredible for me to see something without a ton of 
CG in it like this, like a fanciful movie right. without a lot of CG, which it's just, there are tons of gifs online of them doing the stop motion for this movie. And it's, it's incredible. Yeah. So this is another one I didn't see and didn't even think to say if only I had seen it, it might've made my list. Gah. Well, man, you're going to have a lot of movies to watch in 2017. <laughs> And it's going to be great. <laughs> I already had so many that I was like, I got. Uh, Here's the thing, Lawson. Is, We're heading into January and February, the, the dry yep. months. This is when you catch yep. up on all this stuff. Sandra, exactly. this is such a good point. Thank you for exactly. making it. There's not going to be a lot of good films coming out soon. So <laughs> you get you get, you get get to catch up on all of these. <laughs> Excited for oh, March. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yep. Um, well, speaking up, uh, speaking of catching up on movies that we haven't seen, that has nothing to do with your number eight pick. Go, Lawson. Lawson's. Yeah, the way that you said that, I thought you were like going to go into a commercial for Casper.com. Like catching up <laughs> on sleep is very important. Um, yeah. My number eight pick was Captain America: Civil War. This movie, I you know. The inner uh, film snob in me or whatever doesn't want to have a Marvel movie anywhere near his top ten. But this movie not only hit all my expectations, it exceeded them. And that's really hard to do with a tentpole movie with this much hype. I had so much fun watching it. Um, This is a movie I saw in theaters, loved, and wanted to see it again, but didn't really have the financial resources to do so. And then a couple months later, I was on a plane, and on the plane ride to my destination, they were showing it, and I watched it. And on the plane ride back from my destination, they were showing it, and I watched it again. It's just, (laughs) it's so incredible, and it's such a testament to, like, for all of the very legitimate complaints about oversaturation of superhero movies, this movie is the payoff for what those things are what that type of franchise can make possible in cinema. This movie would not Mm -hmm. have been possible um, in a previous time of movie making. And there are upsides and downsides to the landscape as it is right now in Hollywood. Um, And you can look at uh, the superhero bubble and like, it's also produced Batman Superman, but um, a movie like Captain America Civil War is, uh, nuanced you care about the characters uh has plenty of action and fun and surprises and twists but also um capitalizes on a lot of previously set up world and i just i i think i don't know uh where it ranked before um like right after seeing it but the longer i've sat with and thought about this movie the more i'm like confident it is my favorite marvel movie to date yeah nice lawson um captain america civil war since it's so close is was my number seven pick so i'll just like take some time to talk about it you're gonna jump is that oh okay, my gosh all right yeah, fine jump, do, do your it. thing okay well um i feel so many of the same ways as you do lawson i think captain america civil war is like my favorite of all the action in all of the marvel movies i feel the choreography is so, so fun to watch in this film. Yeah. Um, and I think I love it particularly because I love the characters of Steve Rogers and Bucky Buchanan. Um, and so to have their relationship, like, put at kind of the center of this movie and them have a lot of time with each other, 
um, made this movie really special for me. So ditto everything you said, plus those two. It's oh, the most H. fun out of all the Marvel movies. Yeah, and mm-hmm. the introduction of Black Panther was really, yes. really exciting. And the introduction of Spider-Man sure. was really, really exciting. The best so. iteration of Spider-Man that has ever been. Okay. True, very Guys, true. You can't don't don't even talk about Andrew Garfield. The, don't I, even talk about I'm Andrew not Garfield. I'm saying that. I'm just saying we haven't seen the movie yet. Like I get I, that oh, it no. was really fun and it was exciting. He, he's the best Spider-Man. But like he's let's the best Spider-Man. See the movie first. I think we, <laughs> we make those that declaration. Sandra, no, that's no, no, a fair no. critique, but agree. I feel but like the 20 minutes of Spider-Man in Captain America: Civil War were better than Spider-Man one, two, and three by Sam Raimi. And the Amazing Spider-Man one and two. I can't say that, but. Okay. <laughs> I know you can't. I know you. I can't. never even saw Spider Man Two, I mean, or the Amazing Spider Man Two. Neither did I. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Yep. Sandra, you can't even defend that series I'm, if you haven't seen it. I'm the, not the defending the one. series. I'm defending the first one. Ugh. No. <laughs> no can do. No can do. Lucas is here it's, to make rules. So I'm here to make rules. Be ready to follow them. <laughs> question mark. Speak. <laughs> speaking of rules, you don't want to follow. Sandra, your number eight is Hidden Figures. My number eight is Hidden Figures. I just saw it yesterday, and um, I cried throughout most of it. I've been doing a lot of crying lately, and um, <laughs> it. You know, aside from maybe like two other movies on my list, like my number one and my number two. I would say Hidden Figures is like the most important story being told in cinema this year. Um, It is a story I'd never heard about. These like three black women that worked at NASA, but had to like really struggle to get their work done because of like all the, all of the discrimination they faced in the 1960s, both racism and sexism, like a one, two punch. And um, it is, just infuriating to watch, but in a way that's so necessary. And it is like, you know, it's you like objectively in your head, know about what the sixties were like for the African-American community. And then you watch something like hidden figures and you're just like, Oh, it was, it's so much worse than like you really could process and just so maddening. And, um, I just, it, these women were incredible and I'm so glad that their story was told mm. this year. I can't wait to see that. Yeah. I highly, highly recommend it to everyone, especially yeah, your it's... parents. Go take your parents to see hidden figures. Everyone's parents will want to watch hidden figures for parents sure. Love NASA movies. They were alive <laughs> and they landed on the moon. They're all about NASA movies. Go take your mom to see. Hidden figures. <laughs> I think that's Lawson's best joke <laughs> ever. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> Thanks, man. I I will take it. Oh, I mean, I don't know if well, my speaking, parents speaking were alive. Of, your parents weren't alive in the 60s? I think in the late 60s they might have been. What? 69 yeah. is when we landed on the moon. Yeah, you have I mean, young parents. But they, I think my mom was like born in 67. Oh, what? dang. Yeah. And I think okay. my dad was born in like 62 wow. or 61. All right, maybe. young gun. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. What was your number eight, Lucas? Oh yeah, mine. <laughs> Moving on to my number eight, um, the first film in this list that is on every single person's list. Oh. Moonlight. Oh wow. Oh. I know it's Lucas. That's real I know. low. <laughs> hey, 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 hey! Eight is very high out of all the movies that I saw okay. this year. It's true. You saw but, so. And many. I have, I have nothing, I have nothing but good stuff to say sure. about Moonlight. 
But this film did not touch me as deep as the movies that are higher on this list, which is why it's at number eight. Technically, it was definitely one of the best films that I saw this year. Mm -hmm. It was gorgeously shot. Um, I think perfectly written. The story itself is phenomenally told. Um, it's, it's something that, I mean, if you haven't heard about Moonlight, definitely, definitely check it out. It's just told of this young, young boy's story. Uh, well, and it's told of this, this man's story over three acts, basically, um, him as a young, um, as a young kid about, how was he like six or seven, something like that. Um, and then the middle part is him in high school and then him as an adult. Um, and just the, the way it talks about, um, just him growing up in, uh, Florida, uh, as a gay kid, it is, it is just a, it's, it's a, it's a hard movie. It really is. Um, but so expertly done. No. Um, we we will talk about it more as everyone else gets to chime in <laughs> yeah <laughs> when it gets when it, when it gets to them on their list but there's just there's so much to talk about this movie i wish i really wish we'd done a full episode Me on too. it um but y you do what you can yeah lawson your number seven uh my number seven is a tale of doing what you can la la land <laughs> <laughs> yes um yeah, I really, I loved La La Land. It was a pleasure to watch from start to finish. I was charmed by it at so many moments. Uh, ultimately, the ending fell flat for me and kept it from being uh, what could have been much higher on my list. But Wow, I you're have... the first person I've heard say that. Seriously. Well, no, like the ending sequence is gorgeous and really a marvel and could have been a short film in itself. The decision to end the plot in the way that it ended the plot is what threw me from it. All right. Does that make All sense? Right. Yes. Like, well done talking around spoilers. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I'm doing my best. Um, yeah. So I felt like the movie was uh, very... Saying something and telling a story in a way that I found really interesting um, until uh, the plot ended the way that it did and then I felt like I didn't find that ending as compelling despite the final sequence being beyond gorgeous um so uh La Land really good uh not my favorite but m far and above almost every single movie I saw this year mm. I thought it was incredible well Sandra you already talked about your number seven so yes we're gonna skip you okay no just kidding do you have any more to say about Captain America Civil War no, but you want me, Lucas, it's so close. Do you want me to talk? About I know. Don't do okay, it. <laughs> no, nope. just do it. Just okay. do it. Your number six is La La Land. My number as six well. is La La Land. We're already talking about it. I just feel like it makes Sandra, sense. Sandra, look at us. It does. Uh, Lucas, what are you doing? You're being so inefficient. Uh, <laughs> so my number six is La La Land, um, and. I talked about this earlier on the podcast. It felt like a dream. I loved it. It's not a perfect movie. There are definitely, like, I think, problems with it, um, which is why it's not higher on this list. But it's also just, like, so wonderful to see and, like, be at. And um, it definitely has stuck with me since I watched it. The, the music is, like, implanted into my head. I find myself singing mm -hmm. it all the time. Um, I had a 
a lovely, lovely time with this movie. And if it wins Best Picture, I will be very pleased with that. It's not it's not the exciting thing to win, win Best Picture. It's not what I want to win Best Picture. But as far as Best Picture wins, it's not a bad one. Well, I'll talk about it as well, since it's also my number six. Okay, <laughs> look at that. Um, yes, La, La La Land is fantastic. I... I think it falls down a little bit in the middle when it where it forgets to be a musical, mm-hmm. but Absolutely. the ending is actually what I loved the most right. about this movie. How how it kind of wraps up the plot and how it kind of uh, speaks to that that kind of mindset. Again, we won't go to spoilers, but I mean, that, I think that ending uh, is perfect. It, Just like I I could not have picked a perfecter ending for that movie, a more perfect ending for that movie. Guys, it was the way they did it was beautiful, but I felt like it was so incongruous with everything else in the film. All right, we're gonna have to have this conversation off air. Okay, but we we need to talk <laughs> about this for sure. <laughs> um, well, moving on, we'll go back backwards to my number seven, um, which is Arrival. So I I just I just realized after as we're talking about this that I have had Danny Villeneuve's movies on my as my number seven for the last couple of years. Oh, <laughs> um, wow. his, yeah, in addition to Arrival, um, Sicario was on my uh, was my number seven last year, Lucas, and I Prisoners just two years ago Sicario, was uh, so was I'm that. I'm excited to watch it. Finally, it's so good. It's so good. Oh man, it's amazing. It's I'm amazing. To see that too. Um, the writer of Sicario wrote Hell or High Water, right. which we will also talk about later. But su- Ar- Arrival, Arrival, such a good, such a good movie. The cinematography is phenomenal in this movie. Um, another side note: the cinematographer um, Bradford Young for Arrival is also the cinematographer for the Han Solo movie, which oh, I'm pumped exciting. about. I know, I know. Um, but the performances in this movie, the way it's written, just the, um, the themes that it touches, I think are so powerful. And it's something that I went into this movie, not really expecting to get a lot out of, um, it's a sci-fi movie and I've, am not usually moved by sci-fi movies. <laughs> uh, I have a lot of fun with them, but this is, it's a powerful, powerful movie. So. Yeah, I agree, Lucas. And we'll talk about it more in a little bit. We will. We will. All right, Lawson, you're number six. My number six is The Handmaiden. Um, I saw this movie this weekend and was blown away by it. It took so many twists and turns that I did not expect. Um, the symbolism was so rich. The, uh, the sexuality was so... Uh, I'm trying to think of what the right word is, uh, raw. Um, it just, the way that this movie came together, it took so many things that I did not know could make for a, uh, a beautiful and striking film, um, and brought them all together. I mean, I guess I should have known, um, from the director of, uh, Stoker and Old Boy that this kind of, (laughs) I should have known more what to expect, but, I was blown away. It wasn't um, like a hundred percent. I felt like there were things that the only thing that held this movie from being higher on my list was just personal preference. I didn't feel like there was anything stylistically yeah. in the writing, in the acting, anything that held it back. I think everyone was one hundred percent on top of their game, and I think it's a, a fantastically done movie. That's how I felt about Moonlight. It's true. So good. Yeah, The Handmaiden is one that I think 
when I first watched it, I liked it, but it it grew on me as time went on. I kept thinking about it more and more, um, and it just kept going higher and higher on my <laughs> on my list uh, as time went on. But so we've talked about your six, which is Handmaiden. We've talked about Sandra and I's six, which is La La Land. Right. So Lawson, we are back to you for number five. Oh yeah, number <laughs> five uh, is American Honey. This movie is one of the most unique films I saw this year. Um, you know, whether or not it's the best movie from a sense of uh, writing and story arc and all that stuff, I don't really know. But I know I didn't see anything else like this this year, and I haven't seen anything else like this um, for a long time. It may be ever. Um, it is utterly unique. The actors are incredible. It is uh, a slice of life film, which I think are you know things like uh, Moonlight and uh, I've heard I haven't seen Manchester by the Sea, but I've heard those are movies that do that kind of same thing, just like a, a portrait, a snapshot of a moment. Um, and American Honey does that and captures a world that I would never have seen otherwise, and was completely intoxicating. All the actors were incredible. Everything we just felt so authentic and so real and uh making me like Shia LaBeouf again which I didn't know was going to be possible so mm, that's um, hard that's hard to do it is it is hard to do but he did great um the lead actress in this film was uh phenomenal uh it's one of those movies that I would recommend that everyone see I wouldn't recommend you necessarily see it with your parents but I would recommend that <laughs> everyone see I would feel comfortable recommending this to my parents to basically anybody um not everyone might like it, but I think everyone would find it um, interesting and come out better for it on the other side. Lawson, this one came so close to making it into my top 10. I watched it literally right before we started recording tonight. And, oh, wow. Yeah, and I really loved it. Um, I it was It was really almost there. Um, I think one of the only reasons I didn't put it on my top 10 was kind of just because I just watched it and I feel like I need to sit with it just a little bit longer. Um, it kind of went up and down for me, like as I was watching it, because it's a very long movie, but it oh, yeah. ended on such a perfect note. It, the ending hit me so hard that mm -hmm. really, really made me fall in love with it. I'm also really excited to see more from this director, Andrea Arnold, um, I can't wait to see what her next next project is. Completely agree. And Shia LaBeouf is incredible as always. I love Shia LaBeouf. Mm, that is that's wait you're you, hang on <laughs> you. I can't process that at all. Yeah, <laughs> you like Shia LaBeouf. I love Oof. Shia LaBeouf. Okay, I loved him okay. in Even Stevens and. Well, then yeah, yeah. There was a huge yeah. gap until I think Shia yes. is Honey. so incredibly interesting. I think I he's magnetic to watch. I love Shia LaBeouf. Love it. Okay, well, Sandra is we're not we're no longer going through Sandra's list because her <laughs> opinion is now invalid. <laughs> Lucas, you need to see him in this movie. Yeah, you really uh, do. Okay, okay. Well, I'll think about it. Okay. <laughs> but speaking of women's opinions being invalid, Sandra, you're number five. Oh my well, my number five, um, it, speaking of women's opinions being invalid, this hurts to say is my number five because there's not many women's opinions in this movie. But it is a movie that I really, really love. It's called Everybody Wants Some from Richard Linklater. Um, I've watched this movie so many times. I saw it 
once at South by Southwest, once in theaters, once it came out in theaters here, and then like w- like two more times once it came out on like iTunes and DVD. Um, wow. I just like, I'm always in the mood to watch this movie. Whenever like people come <laughs> over or my roommates like, let's watch a movie, I'm always recommending it. Um, it's so fun and easy and thoughtful and I it was just like such a great piece of entertainment for this year. Um, I love Richard Linklater. I think this is a great addition to his, you know, work. And um, I had a really, really fun time with it. Also, my favorite actor in Everybody Wants Some, I'm I, blanking on his name. It's Glenn something. Glenn Powell, I think, um, was in Hidden Figures. And I didn't expect him to be. And he was such oh, a nice. welcome face in that movie. Um, and like a really very small part. Um, so this movie is, everybody wants some is full of incredible new talent. And that's one of the things that I think makes it so exciting. They all look so different with their mustaches though. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love Linklater. I can't wait to see that. Did either of y'all see this movie? I would love to borrow that. I didn't. I would love to borrow it from you if that's okay. Yeah. Lucas, did you get a chance I, to see it? I still have not seen okay. it, which I'm very, very sad to say. Guys, it's, I, I, sh- I should have. There's like eight times when I was like, I should watch this movie now. The but there's always something else that I ended up going to. There's always so many things to watch. But this is one that is like so fun. You know, like so many times there's mm-hmm. like movies you're like, oh, I know I need to see that, but I'm not really in the mood. You should always be in the mood for this. It's, <laughs> it's a great time. <laughs> That's great. Uh, and it's Linklater. Yeah. You can't go wrong yeah. with Linklater. Truth. All right. Well. Moving on to my number five. This is a, a smaller movie that um, I feel like most people haven't seen. Um, the Fits. Sandra, you saw this movie, I, correct? I did. It was so interesting, and I'm really glad I okay. watched it. It's a very weird movie that I feel like a lot of people <laughs> would not like, but it. I've. I, I mean, I, t- I talked about it on the podcast already, but just the way it tells the story of this girl in this community center um, is phenomenal, and I... I just connected with it so much, and it just kept resonating with me. Um, it's on Amazon Prime. I encourage everybody to watch it. It's it's an hour and a half. It's so good. Yeah, um, it was um, fascinating, and like not it's it's not in my top ten or my honorable mentions. But I'm so glad I watched it. And like you said, it's so mm-hmm. short that it was like a really easy thing to watch. Right. And um. I've heard a lot of people compare it to Moonlight this year. It's obviously a very mm-hmm. different story than Moonlight, but they're both like tackling similar concepts about like gender yeah. expression that I think are so interesting and important conversations to be having um, right now. Definitely. So um, Fitz is like sort of like mm-hmm. a female version of yep. that side of the conversation. Your recommendation for it could not have been stronger and more like geared towards my tastes. So I, I'm excited <laughs> to see it soon. Yes. I, yes. I, I, it's Lucas. I think we should go for it. Say a quick warning that like, um, I think this would be good to know is that it's not a movie with a ton of dialogue. It's much more about like visuals than it is. Yes. Dialogue and plot. And yes. I think it, is good because of that. I, I, I didn't miss any, I didn't feel like it was lacking, but I think that's just something to know going in. So like, it's not a movie Correct. you just put on like while you do something else or like it, mm-hmm. you need to be watching it. Yeah. I feel like that's also kind of the same with Moonlight is there's not a lot of dialogue in either of those movies. Yeah. It's a lot about the visuals and the emotions that are being expressed through those visuals. Um, so yeah, watch the fits on Amazon. 
Fine. Yep. I will. Lawson, moving on to your number four. Four. Um, my number four pick was Hell or High Water. Um, God, this movie is amazing. It's just so good. Like, I want to say this movie's the best, but clearly when we're doing <laughs> our ranking, that's hard to say. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's so fun. It's so West Texas. Like, it is oh, so yeah. a portrait oh, yeah. <laughs> of West Texas in a way that speaks to me and makes all the fun parts more fun, all the crazy parts crazier, and all the slow parts uh, perfectly paced instead of being, you know, too dragging. Like, it just, it, I don't expect everyone to love this movie as much as I did. I think it's a great movie no matter where you're from, and it can stand on its merits regardless of, you know, where you grew up or mm-hmm. geogra- geography, but... um. To me, this movie was just about perfect. Like, it was just, it was so good. Jeff Bridges is incredible. Chris Pine's amazing. They talk with, um, the dialogue has this peculiarity to it that West Texas does, where it's um, everything, every part of life moves slow enough to where it's like people speak with the intentionality that lets them say really clever shit. Like, um, <laughs> all of the turns of phrase are just incredible. And so if I, whenever I was at Christmas, um, this year, uh, we were talking about Christmas carols and my mom's dad is from West Texas and people were talking and saying like, what's your favorite Christmas song? And he said, well, the thing about that is, uh, I've always been able to, uh, carry a tune, just never quite figured out how to unload it. <laughs> and like everyone talks like that in this movie. Um, and yeah. I, I love that. I love the colloquialisms beyond that. The plot is amazing. I love the dynamic of the brothers in this film. I love the dynamic between the sheriff. Um, and, uh, was he another sheriff or an officer that he was going to be like his successor? Um, when the sheriff was planning to retire, mm-hmm. uh, their dynamic is incredible. Um, the, the economic underpinning, uh, underneath everything makes it seem like it could be just kind of like a run-of-the-mill movie and it really uh the more you look into it the more there is to mine from it i think this movie is incredibly rich um and dense and fun and uh at the same time stoic and moving so yeah you very much very much agree <laughs> this 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 movie almost made it this this movie was on my top 10 list for a long time like it just kept slowly getting edged off by other things um and it's it's in my honorable mentions for sure like this it's such a touching story and i i've always loved ben foster but this is yeah, his Foster's role great. this is his role it's so good um chris pine is basically just there like he's fantastic but he's there to enable ben foster um yeah. in this duo and this duo that they run and it is oh oh man if if you are if you've ever lived in texas you need to watch this movie if you haven't you still need to watch this movie because it's phenomenal Yep. You mentioned it before, Lucas, and I feel like you really undersold it. So I'm upset with you that I didn't see it sooner. <laughs> I probably did. I probably did. Oh, man. Well, moving on to things that have been undersold. Sandra, you're number four. My number four is Arrival. Um, it's so good. It's so amazing, guys. Arrival wasn't on my radar until we went to go see it. And um, I'm so glad we did because hit me in such a profound way um i think 
It's the themes I love, the visuals I love, the storytelling I was so excited about. Um, another thing I loved about Arrival is that it is one of two movies, this and Hidden Figures, where the protagonist is a woman who is leading in her academic field. And that's really exciting. Like, I want more lady protagonists that are like professors or just like academics or just super brainy. Um, I loved that and I love this movie. I I really hope Amy Adams gets nominated for Best Actress this year for this film. Um, I don't Amen. think she'll win it in this kind of year, but I hope she gets the nomination. She deserves the nomination for sure. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, this is this is a movie we all absolutely loved. Um, this is I, th- I think this movie is getting not as much attention as some of the other movies that are getting awards buzz. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think this is one that everyone will enjoy more than a lot of awards movies. So I would love everyone go to watch get, Arrival. Be like a sleeper hit, like how La La Land is getting so much buzz and people are starting to resent it. I would love it if Arrival came out of nowhere. If if Arrival turned into the uh, what was it? Um, Oh man, what was the Bradley Cooper movie that made all the money in the world in January? American um, American Sniper. American Sniper. American Sniper. American yes, Sniper yes. was the highest grossing movie that year. I know, right? Isn't that insane? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. what I want for Arrival. I wish all of the money to Arrival. Yes, sure does. Well. <laughs> uh, speaking about a lot of our country. No, that didn't work. I, I, I didn't know. I, I had no idea what movie I was going into when I said that. I dare you to make a, transi- a transition without the phrase speaking of in it. No. Okay. I can't do that. I can't do that. It's not my style, man. Not Flatly my style. refuse. That's, that is your style. <laughs> anyway, moving into my number four pick, The Handmaiden. Um, this is a movie that is on all of our lists. There's so much to love about it. We've talked about so much about it um this is a movie that i liked a lot and it just grew so much on me that it's now at number four on my list um which is so crazy lucas because i listened to our episode about the handmaiden recently and you liked it but you weren't in love with it like i know right recording i know i know and it just it's the it's sitting with me and me just kind of thinking about that movie Mm -hmm. and all the elements that went into that just it's it's, it's so good it's, like, it's so good so good i'm i'm so glad we listened we we watched this movie when we did because otherwise it wouldn't have had all the time to grow on me that it that it did and i and i, I did rewatch it again and oh man it is phenomenal filmmaking it is so so good just the the quality of the shots the quality of the editing um knowing exactly what type of story you're gonna tell and just jumping right into it is so good it really is it's a longer movie but it deserves every minute that it that it's got no (sighs) yeah it's incredible yep and so emotional too (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, well speaking of emotion I said speaking still. Speaking of still. <laughs> I'm going to keep that going. That's all I got. That's my only way to transition into anything. I was just giving you a hard time. I, I love it. No, you don't. Lawson, you're <laughs> number three. My number three is has a lot to do with emotion. It is Moana. Moana! Moana! This is a perfect film. Oh, God. There is 
<laughs> so just just to be clear, Lawson, this is your number three, and you're saying it's a perfect film. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm All not right. saying it's my top of the year. I'm saying it's a perfect film. Okay. All right. I'm saying <laughs> you can't make a better three act structure with better songs, more uh, captivating characters. You just you can't that it appeals to more people across more age and demographic spectrums. I I love this movie so much. It completely <laughs> caught me by surprise and stole my heart, and I cried throughout almost all of it. I was touched uh, by the characters. Every time I re-listened to the music, I relived the entire film. It's so good. It's so good. And I never, if you had told me the list of movies coming out this year and told me the premise of all of them, I never would have thought Moana would be on here. But it was just in, incredible. And uh, it's, you know, I said... At the time that it came out, it was the best movie you'd see that month. And that's not true. I think there are better movies that came out this year. Um, and I can understand the argument for um, Moana not even being on a top 10 list. But in my opinion, it's a huge mistake. The voice talent is unparalleled. The animation is the best I've ever seen outside of Pixar. Maybe, I think Pixar's Piper had better animation than this. Like, But other than that, I think the best I've seen and it's just it's fun and it's just right every part of it is just right well I'm gonna skip Sandra because my number three is also Moana (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's phenomenal oh my goodness um this was a movie that I thought I'd like going into it even after all your all of your hype Lawson uh you hyped this movie up a lot and I thought it's gonna be good it's Disney it's not Pixar. It's it's Disney, uh, which means it'll be good, but it's not going to be something that that moves me a lot. But oh my goodness, I connected with the characters in this so much. Um, not on any like we have just nothing in common at all, but just the way they introduce um, this main character and the way she, um, I guess, kind of goes on this journey. Um, it's so engaging and. Plus you have plus you have Dwayne Johnson in here. I like there's nothing there's nothing that man can't do. Mm-hmm. He's he's not a he's not the best singer, but <laughs> he can still do it. It's singing. so good. No, yeah, great. yeah. Really quickly, on Moana. Oh. Even though I don't feel as strongly as y'all do about it, um, one thing that mm-hmm. I did want to point out that I especially loved in Moana is the way they animated hair. Um, I oh, feel like yeah. so often yeah. in Disney princess movies. The female protagonist has, like, perfect silky hair that, like, barely moves. It's, like, always gorgeous. And I love that they gave these characters, and especially the women, like, very realistic-looking hair that had texture. And I love that, like, when she was doing something strenuous, she would, like, tie her hair up. Because that's what women do. It was such a small detail that meant a lot to me as a curly-haired girl. They do so much in this movie that shows that they care. They, you know, as opposed to Kubo and the Two Strings, where it was all like white mm-hmm. actors and all white writers and all this stuff, there were people of Pacific Islander descent doing all of the voice acting in this, singing. All of the animators that were not of that culture were constantly consulting with people of that culture. Um, it just it feels real. The heart and soul of this thing is just so 
authentic. And I, I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't specifically call out the relationships that Moana has with her family. I think those were the things that um, moved me the most profoundly. The relationship she has with her grandmother uh, chokes me up every time I think about it. Like we mentioned earlier, the voice, the singing voice of her father and the complex relationship they have. I know everything kind of, it's a Disney movie, kind of ties itself up in a tidy bow, but this movie is not afraid of making people complex without making them villains. Like, that's one of the most beautiful things about this movie, and I think about a lot of the stories that are being told in film this year. Um, I think Fences does a good job of this too, even though they're vastly different films, is showing characters with a lot of sides to them, um, both dark and light, and uh, you know, conflict and peace, and showing the importance of that, the beauty of that, and the humanity of it. I I just Moana's great. I did. How do you get all that out of an animated Disney movie? You just it's it's so great. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Well, jumping back to Sandra's number three. My number three, I don't think I've talked about on the podcast yet. I know I've mentioned it to you two, um, like privately. Um, it's a the film that a film that I saw at South by Southwest that was my favorite movie that I saw that week. It's called My Blind Brother. It hasn't gotten a lot of press. It didn't get a wide release, um, but it is such a good movie. It stars Jenny Slate, Adam Scott, and Nick Kroll. Nick Kroll playing the protagonist who has a blind brother blind brother played by Adam Scott. This movie's so funny and and emotional. It's Adam Scott plays a, a blind brother that's kind of an asshole and that is such like a delicious character to play, someone who's like viewed as like the hometown hero that's actually kind of a dick in real life. Um and his kind of his brother who is always by his side but it's also kind of in his shadow at the same time and uh, I loved this movie. I watched it at South by fell in love with it. It was my favorite thing I saw that week and then kind of thought like, Oh, you know, it probably isn't as good as I remembered it. And I watched it again recently with my roommate and we were both just like in awe at the end about how much we enjoyed this film. Um, one thing that I really like about it is that Nick Kroll is super dreamy in it. Nick Kroll is not usually like leading man material. He's usually like funny side character and in this movie, he's playing, like, an archetype that I like to call, like, deadbeat dreamboat. He's sort of like a <laughs> Seth Rogen character, only way dreamier than Seth Rogen, who is dreamy in his own way. Um, so, Nick Kroll, I really would love to see him in more rom-coms. This has, like, sl- a kind of rom-com vibe to it. It's not quite as, like, cliched as a typical rom-com, um, but it is. It, it definitely has, like, a romantic plot that did a lot for me. So I love, love, love My Blind Brother. Yeah, it's definitely one that's been on my list of ones to watch. Uh, it is not one I expected to see on anybody's top ten list, so I'm that excites me I mean, that it's that good. After watching it again, I was just like, this is one of... Here's the thing, though. I also really do love Jenny Slate. Obvious Child was my favorite movie the year it came out, and so it's also not surprising for a movie like this to rank so high for me. Let me let me ask you this, uh, just to test the water. How do you feel about the movie Gifted? I don't know if I've heard of this movie. 
Oh, it's Jenny Slate and Chris Evans. Oh, it's coming out. It's coming out. Yeah, yes. Yes. What are your well, I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know. I'm Well, right, right, right. But what are your what are your, what are your thoughts I mean, on it I'm so more, far? Like what are I'm you? I'm more excited about it because like now that Jenny Slate sounds so condescending. I know, right? I, I'm more excited about it because I Jenny Slate and Chris Evans like as a couple now. It's you always want to watch like the movie where they like started to hang out, you know. Very like mm. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Mm. Um Mm. So I'm more excited about okay. it for gossip I can hear Lucas's monocle. than for story reasons, <laughs> like movie reasons. It didn't look like anything super bad or special. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. I also adore Chris Evans, so I really will watch anything he's in. And one of the worst movies I ever saw starred Chris Evans, and I only watched it for him, and I fully regret it. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Sandra, you putting that this high on your list is uh, I'm gonna watch that now. Like I heard you recommend it, and I was like, "That's great," but it just it didn't stick. Now it's sticky. Yeah, I'm stoked. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Oh, Zoe Kazan. All right. Doing that. She's really great as like a smaller. All right, fine. I'll watch it. Okay. All right, I'm in. I'm 100 <laughs> in. <laughs> well, we have arrived at our number two. So Lawson, tell me what else has arrived. Arrival. Great Boom! transition, Lucas. Yeah. He didn't even say speaking of. That was amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what I can say that you guys haven't already said. Amazing performances, amazing cinematography. Uh, I think it. Ju- I think the reason it's so high is um, there's a certain movie fuzz. I think there's a German word for it, but like the feeling you get whenever you leave a movie that sticks with you. That. Uh, Arrival had that really took me by surprise. Um, I n- thought I would like it. I really did like it. Um, but I, it's, yeah, I, I would not have expected it to be number two, but the more I rearranged my list, I was like, no, this is, I like this even better than, you know, Moana, even better than all of these other amazing films of this year because I feel like it uses, it's so economical and tells such a uh, a compelling story, and the themes are just gorgeous. So I loved it. You yeah. guys already said it better. I really hope Arrival gets a Best Picture nomination. I'm nervous I would about be over the what's going to get nominated I really hope this so year, too. and I really would love for it, too. Yep, yep. agree. So, Sandra, your number two will also get nominated. <laughs> yes, my number two is Moonlight. Um, ba ba ba. <laughs> What was that noise, Lucas? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> is the moon rising? It makes that noise. Yeah. I, I mentioned earlier that Hidden Figures was like one of the most important stories told this year. And I think Moonlight is the most important story told in film this year. Um, it's There's not much I can say about it that like hasn't already been said. It's so incredibly powerful. It sticks with you. The third act is just like, I wanted to live in that third act for like ever. Mm. I want three more movies that take place in that third act with those actors. Um, I it, It's a meaningful movie. It's I really would love if Barry Jenkins won Best, direct, best Director for this movie. Um, I am less and less thinking that he's going to, and that's really sad because it's a perfectly directed movie. Yeah. As you said about the acts, each one I... I was I, I wasn't sure where it was going as it started that act, but 
as we left each act, I was so upset that there wasn't more yes, of that section. That's such a great way which to put just, it. Which just, it talks so much to how invested you get in each phase of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's ugh, just so well yeah. done. Yeah. And some of the most erotic moments in films without like any nudity. Um, and I, I am a big fan of nudity. I'm not saying that like movies shouldn't have nudity. <laughs> um, but I think that's just very telling of how like charged those moments are that like, I left it being like, Whoa, I could not believe how, like what, how, how yep. good of a job they did conveying yep. those moments. Um, well, speaking of fantastic moments, I'm back to speaking of Lawson. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) My number two is Manchester by the sea. This is a movie I did not think would end up on my list. Um, just based on the trailer and based on the fact that it's just a guy in Boston. I'm not, those are not my types of movies. (laughs) Um, but this movie is so touching. Um, it's one of those movies where it introduces you to a character without you knowing anything about him. He's not a guy who talks a lot, but he gives so much in these performances that uh, you just get little snippets um, of how he's feeling. And, and you learn more about him as the movie goes on. But um, I feel like Casey Affleck gives one of the best performances of the year. And I'm sad that this is someone that we have to honor <laughs> for for this. You but don't have to. <laughs> You're right. You're right. We don't have to. But he, I, I, I personally think he he gives the best performance of the year in this movie. Have you seen Fences um, yet, Lucas? I've I've seen Fences, okay. and I would give it I would give it to him over Denzel for sure. Okay. Wow, for sure. Um, he put so much into this movie with without doing a ton, um, and he, there's I'm I don't want to talk about the plot at all. Um, if you're planning on seeing this movie, I would say go in as as empty as possible um, and be ready to cry a ton and to feel terrible <laughs> coming out of this movie. But it's so good. <laughs> it, it, it really is. This this was a movie like I I felt going into this movie like I felt for The Revenant, where I was like, uh, this movie's going to be nominated for everything and I'll watch it. But I'm actually not going to really like this movie a whole lot. Um and I did not come out of this movie that way at all. This movie meant a lot to me. Cool. So. Well, that's that's the best endorsement I've heard for it so far. There you go. Well, we are at our number one picks. So let's all talk about movies that have already been talked about. <laughs> Lawson, you're number one. I didn't chime in whenever you were talking about it before, so I would have a little bit of something to say. Um, yes. My number one is Moonlight. Uh, you guys have already said uh, things beautifully about it. The thing that I saved to be able to say was uh, I just, I wanted to, like you were saying, Sandra, um, I wanted to live in so many moments of this movie. Uh, This is the kind of movie that I wanted to be a miniseries. I wanted to be a TV show. I just wanted to live with Chiron and be able to see more of his life. Um, The director and actor's ability to make you care about his character so much so quickly um is incredible i i think the thing that it does by not by only having um this very 
what feels like a, a meager amount of time with these characters is it makes me appre- love and appreciate every single second of screen time all the more. Like I want to rewatch this film over and over again. Uh, the story it's telling is really important. The characters are complex and incredible. The story um, is one that I've never heard and one that needs to be heard by people like me and people all over. Um, I I love this movie. I think it's um, it's great. It's it's my number one. Number one. You know, there you go. Austin, one thing I forgot to mention when I was talking about Moonlight that I I would love to bring up now is um, one of the things I think that makes this movie so important is this like examination and critique of masculinity and absolutely that's apart from sexuality you know what i mean mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's it's not just critiquing masculinity in like the main gay character but in like every male character that is in this film and it shows you just how like what toxic masculinity looks like like that's a phrase i've always known but until watching Moonlight, like, you really start to understand how it, like, seeps into the corners of, like, everyday life and how, like, damaging it is. And, yeah, um, and hurts everyone. Yeah. And so um, I, I think it's so, so important because of – because it does that. Yeah. Was it last year? I feel year? like – the like it. whip sorry like whiplash and all these movies were coming out yeah like there was a year where every movie was like a man struggles to define his masculinity or whatever and it was all about like guys kind of like being dicks mostly <laughs> um and i feel like this is like you don't have to do that i think masculinity and especially toxic masculinity are things that really do have an impact on our society and that film and art can really start a conversation that needs to happen and start changing opinions but you know you can these are the kind of stories that need to be told to explore that in a in a productive way i'm not saying like you could never make another movie like whiplash and it doesn't matter what i say about it because they will but um i think movies like this are just yeah there's so many facets there's so much to say about you know, femininity and masculinity and all the ways that it's been polluted and this, I agree with you completely, Sandra. Sorry, I shouldn't have cut you off to like talk in a circle. Go ahead, Lucas. No, you're good. That's, you said it all. You did. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) It's perfect. Oh, man. Um, Well, Sandra, moving on to your number one. This was the easiest thing to pick in my whole list. Um, my favorite movie of the year was The Handmaiden. Um, I loved it when I saw it. And the, like you said, Lucas, the more it sat with me, the more enthralled I became with this movie. Um, uh-huh. It is entertaining. It's funny. It's dramatic. It's erotic. It's thrilling. It's surprising. It's the most visually stunning movie I've seen all year. It is everything I want a movie to be. Um, it has like great social commentary. It taught me about like a new part of the world that I was unfamiliar with. I couldn't ask for more from one film. And um, <laughs> it's the movie that I am excited to share with people as soon as I get a copy of it. Um, I have, I just spend so many, so much time thinking about this film and I can't wait to see it over and over yeah. again. 
Yep. The Go listen to our review of it. I re-listened to it lately, and um, that was a really fun conversation that Lucas and I had. And so it um, was. go watch The Handmaiden as soon as it comes out, and then go re-listen to our conversation. After watching The Handmaiden, it made me like, oh, I need to go back and listen to that, because I stopped before you guys talked about um, spoilers. About spoilers. So go and listen to the rest of the conversation. Yes. Yes. Yeah, no. It's, it's good. You do not want to be spoiled for this movie. It is like no, no, no. so nope. many amazing surprises. Um, so, yep. yeah. All right. Well, moving on to my number one movie is a movie that I think is probably controversial that it's at the top of my list, but not surprising at all. Sing Street. <laughs> <laughs> This is a movie I have been raving about since it came out in May, June, something like that. Um, this this movie is phenomenal. I, I loved Once. Um, I liked Begin Again. And this movie fits right in there. It's It's about kids forming a band in Ireland and there's nothing more charming than that. And I think I think it just spoke to my childhood a lot. Um, and just the way f- the family dynamics in this movie work are really, really interesting. And um, I think, oh, what's his name? Who plays the big brother? Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Irish Chris Pratt. I know, right? <laughs> no, Lawson. Um, someone once described him as uh, the, he- the Hemsworth hot version of Seth Rogen. <laughs> <laughs> also true. Yeah. Oh, man. Jack Rayner. Yes. Jack Rayner is his character in Sing Street is the best character of any movie uh, that came out in 2016. It is my favorite portrayal of an older brother, and it was it was it was just so good. And he was corny and fun, and just had he had one emo- really emotional scene that is my favorite scene um, of 2016. And I think I think everyone should watch this movie. You'll cry. You'll laugh. You'll sing along. There's those. Those are the those are the three things that should be in all the best movies. <laughs> yeah, that that movie did everything oh. for me, almost everything for me that Once did, and almost everything for me that Perks of Being a Wallflower did. Um, mm, yeah, it's it's in my honorable mentions, even though I didn't make it into my top ten. Uh, that kind of a movie has a very special place in my heart, but it didn't feel like it was one of the best films for me but I, I get why you love it like in no world did I expect that Lucas Wright would have a top 10 of the year without Sing Street on it this year I know so. I know <laughs> oh man well that is our top 10 films of the year guys what is your most disappointing film of lightning 2016 round. lightning I mean, round so easy for me Suicide Squad I was so excited for Suicide Squad guys <laughs> and it was such a piece of garbage oh yeah. man Fantastic Beasts. Oh wow! Thumbs down. For me, it's X Men Apocalypse. Oh, oh after yeah. uh, that's interesting to hear you say, Lucas, because I heard someone today ask, like, "What was your most okay movie of 2016? Like, not bad, not good, just okay." And I think X Men Apocalypse is that for me. Mm. For me, coming off of Days of Future's Past, okay, um, yeah. which was so great, I and having Brian Singer you know leading in this movie i was i thought it was going to be great i thought it was going to be phenomenal but uh, man that did not work out well at all i forgot about x-men apocalypse that's up in my running for like movie i'm mad i gave money to like yeah 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 disappointing <laughs> I didn't give any money oh, to it, so that kind of 
helps. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Most surprisingly enjoyable film of the year. Moana. Okay. <laughs> I thought I thought it would be fine. I was like, oh, it is a new movie. That's fun. And then I completely fell in love with it. Nice. Well, my surprisingly enjoyable film of the year is Popstar. Never Stop, Never Stopping. So fun. I did, Sorry. I, I did not expect fun. much from that movie at all. I thought it'd just be... Um, I mean, I, I wasn't a huge fan of... What was their other movie? Um, MacGruber? Hot Rod. Hot Rod. Oh. I, was, I wasn't a huge fan of Hot Rod. Or MacGruber. MacGruber, I didn't think, was, was that great either. But Popstar, the music was phenomenal. And the movie itself, I want to show that to everybody. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny and so good. That's another movie with that the more it sat with me, Lucas, I don't think I was like super mm -hmm. in love with it when we talked about it on the podcast, but the more yeah. it sat with me, the more I really loved. Oh, guys, y'all ready for my hot take of the year? Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Ready, it's ready. It's not the best animated movie of the year, but my favorite anime movie animated movie of the year that i didn't think was gonna be great oh that no I ended up no loving. you don't no you don't oh my it was, goodness it was sing guys oh my goodness <laughs> i cannot believe you sing right now it's my favorite animated movie of the year it was so fun not zootopia no not moana guys i like oh sing my more than goodness zootopia. Oh my I'm not saying goodness. it's better. I'm saying I liked it more. Oh. Guys, let me tell you. Sing is really good. Okay? It's I get why people don't think Sing is going to be good. The trailers are do not make it look like it's going to be a good movie. But Sing is this lovely little movie about um Almost the exact same themes of La La Land. It would make a great double feature. Anyone who likes La La Land should go see Sing because it's just about like struggling to be an artist, like having this calling, wanting to be a performer, and everyone around you is telling you like, this is a shitty idea. This is a shitty dream. It's unrealistic. You're not going to succeed. And like reckoning with that. And it's about just like finding this like drive to commit to your art, even if you're not succeeding at it. And um, it really, I thought was really a great story and a lot of fun. I, I just want to throw out a movie that probably does that. All of those things better. Uh, it's Sing Street. Sing Street is also great, <laughs> Lucas. It was in my top 10. And Sing is not in my top 10. I'm not fighting with you on that point. Oh, I'm just saying. I know. I just, Sing I just have to. It's my I most surprisingly I, I enjoyable movie of the year. It doesn't look like it's that good of a movie. And it turns out it actually is. You. So I, I, I have to. I have I to see like this movie now. Great. You should. I, I really do. It's, it's I, really I, great. I have to. Also, another great thing that Sing Street does. Or excuse me. Sing does. Is um, <laughs> it made me aware of how beautiful Taryn Edgerton's voices. Guys, Taryn Edgerton has been hiding this stunning singing voice. And hearing him sing, having La La Land being such a big hit this year, and then also learning that Janelle Monet can act makes me want oh, yeah. a Taryn Edgerton, Janelle Monet musical. Give me a million dollars. Make it happen. I'm in. I feel like that would <laughs> that's just could be a hit. 
Hitting the right, yeah, yeah. Gosh, this is... Yep. If we did, like, best actress, like, best year for an actress, I feel like Janelle Monae killed it this year. I mean... She, she just did. is for incredible. Sure. She's, I think, for really sure. good in what she does, and I'm glad that she's, like, getting <sighs> acting opportunities. I don't feel like she's, like, spectacular in these small roles, but I feel like for what we expected of, like, just, like, this amazing singer, she's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely. Cool. Yeah. Yep. Um, so honorable mentions. Let's talk about honor- honorable mentions that did not make it on your top ten that we haven't already talked about. I'll go first. Uh, yeah, do it. Um, so there were I, I kind of have like some that we've already mentioned that I'm not going to talk about again, and then a few more that um, fit in like different categories. Fences is probably like the the only like prestige one that I think was really mm-hmm. great, and it didn't make it into my top ten. Um, there was. Captain Fantastic and Other People are both, like, indie comedy dramas that um, I thought were so touching, and I had a really great time. And then um, I have two just, like, straight-up comedies that I adored. And comedies don't get enough attention, I think, on top ten lists because they're not as splashy as dramas are. Um, But comedy is, I think, harder than drama. So I do want to give a shout-out to The Edge of Seventeen and Neighbors 2, Sorority Rising. I had so much fun with that movie. That movie was so nice. fun. I didn't see Age of 17, but Sorority 2 was great. Or, uh, Neighbors, Neighbors 2. 2 was great. Yeah. Yep, yep, definitely. Lawson, what was on, on your honorable, honorable mentions list? I think I mentioned everything already. I think the only thing I didn't mention um, was Zootopia. I thought Zootopia was incredible. I was um, really surprised by all the things it was able to do, and I... Uh, yeah, I because it's an honorable mention. I guess I didn't come up with uh, enough to say about it, but I thought the movie was great. Not good enough for top ten, but um, really well done. And then there's all the other ones, you know, the Lobster Sing Street, yeah. all those that are great. Yep. Yeah, I I also had uh, Captain Fantastic, Sandra, and that 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 movie was amazing. I I watched it on a plane, and I wish I hadn't. I wish <laughs> I wish I'd I wish I'd seen this movie in theaters. You, it was so a good. Different year, Captain Fantastic would be in my top ten. This was a tough Agreed. tough year. Agreed. I wish I'd seen it. It was the last thing bumped um, for me. Um, the other movie that I think everyone should go see. I d- I don't think it's gonna get much awards stuff this year but lion was such an emotional movie Lucas, i'm so um, glad to hear that because i want to see that oh, and i man. remember you i think like not being interested in it i i really wasn't i really wasn't interested in it but i i went and saw it and it's it's so good oh. it's a touching story about um about india and adoption and Man, man, I, it, it was also my entire theater um, was it was Indian people, wow. except for except for me and my wife. And whew, man, it it I cried. Yeah. I cried. It was it was so good. Wow. It really was. So I would encourage everybody to see that. I'm sure it'll be out on Netflix at some point. Um, but while it's in the theaters, if you get the chance, see this movie. So great. Oh, I'm excited. Oh, that's everybody. Yep. That's everybody's. That's, <laughs> that's everybody's honorable mentions. Oh man. Um, so last but not least, before we wrap up, let's talk about 2017. What is the movie you are the most excited about for this year? I think there's a lot. It was hard to pick just one. Mm-hmm. But the one that I settled on um, is Edgar Wright's new movie, Baby Driver. 
It's set to come out in August of this year. And um, I love Edgar Wright. I think he's a fascinating filmmaker. He's so clever. Mm-hmm. Um, and this movie just sounds so fun and up my alley. It's about a um, getaway driver working for like some sort of like crime syndicate who has um, tinnitus, where it's like a, a condition where you have like hear a slight ringing in your ears at all times. And so when he drives, he like listens to music in his headphones the whole time to like get rid of that ringing sensation. So this movie is set to have like this amazing soundtrack to like all these car scene, car chase scenes. Um, and I'm, I, just that plot sounds so fun. I love heist movies. I love, like, I trust Edgar Wright's taste and direction and music choices. Um, plus, it has a really exciting cast. It has yeah. um, Ansel Elgort as the main character, Baby. And it has Kevin Spacey, John Hamm, Lily James, Jamie Foxx, um, John Bernthal, um, Isa Gonzalez. Um, and... A fun little thing, I don't know if y'all caught this or not, but last night when Meryl Streep was giving her speech, Edgar Wright tweeted, Meryl Streep is in my mo- my new movie, uh, you'll see. And Yay. then deleted the tweet. Um, the tweet was gone oh, by man. morning. So oh, man. it could mean it, it could mean a lot of things. Maybe she's in a different movie that's a new movie that's not Baby Driver. Or maybe he's referring to Baby Driver and she is in the movie as like kind of a surprise role. Or maybe like she appears in the movie in some way while not acting in it. You know, like maybe they yeah. maybe they yeah. came a car Meryl Streep. Like who knows? Whatever it is, <laughs> I'm excited for that. Um, Definitely. It was fun to get that little tidbit. Definitely. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that's exciting. That's one that anything by Edgar Wright, I'm super excited about. Um, my most exciting movie, I guess the movie I'm most excited for in 2017 is the glass castle. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard about this. This is the newest movie, um, by Dustin Daniel Creighton who directed short term 12. Um, he he hasn't done anything since then. Uh, so this will be his first movie after that, but it also stars Brie Larson, uh, and he's adding to his list of people, Naomi Watts, Woody Harrelson and Max Greenfield. Oh, I love him. Um, so in. Yeah, they play a, f- a family kind of on the run from the FBI um, and, and how growing up is how how their life, you know, how they how basically Brie Larson and Max Greenfield grow up uh, in that kind of dysfunctional family um, with Woody Harrelson and Naomi Watts playing the parents. So I'm so excited uh, for that, that movie. Short Term 12. It's going to be great. It was one of the most brilliant movies. And so. Yep. Anything from this director, I would be so pumped about. Absolutely. Totally Absolutely. Agree. That movie was so, so. underappreciated. Yeah. Um, Lawson, how about you? My Well, I didn't know. I don't know where you guys are getting these inside scoops. I feel like <laughs> so underinformed. But uh, I put Star Wars. Um, I think episode eight is primed and set up to be incredible. I'm interested to see um, what Carrie Fisher's role will be in this movie, if they have to do any... Um, new edits based on her passing. Um, but more than that, this movie just... <sighs> Star Wars The Force Awakens was so incredible. Um, 
I think Rogue One was great, but I think Force Awakens was a stronger entry, and I think the I can't wait to be around um, those characters again and to see where they go next. It's just so fun there i'm looking forward to that more than any of the you know big tent marvel movies i know about or um warner brother dc movies that i know about uh the only movies that i was drawing from were the ones that are uh big and on the calendar release schedule uh but i think that the new star wars movie will be incredible i can't wait to see it i'm so excited for this movie yep um yep as far as i think everyone knows lawson Carrie Fisher was finished shooting all of her footage for this film. So, right. I don't know. But I think they had her scripted to be in further films. Right. So I don't. That's yeah. That's yeah. a good point. Um, yeah, I, I've said it so many times on this podcast, but Ryan Johnson, I think is such an interesting filmmaker. And so for him to do the second episode in this new trilogy of star Wars films, specifically like the second, like empire strike facts was like, so exciting for so many people and um i feel like it's just like it's such a sweet spot for him to join in um totally. yep, definitely. I'm, I'm excited for this and um i'm excited to see what he does with like adam driver i love adam driver and i feel like the two of them working together is also really exciting mm-hmm. jinx mm. <laughs> <laughs> mail me a coke from california i know Sorry. i know i'll i'll mail it to you <laughs> well i think that wraps it up so until next week, we'd love to hear from you guys on Twitter at Feeling It Pod and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Feeling It Pod, or I guess email us at feelingitpod at gmail.com. Uh, but in the meantime, guys, where can people find you individually throughout the week? I'm Sandra Omstetz. All of my social media handle- handles are at Sandra Omstetz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. I'm Lawson Soward. My everything handle is at Lawson West. Find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And I'm Lucas Wright. You can find me at Lucas and Stuff everywhere. I will be updating my letterbox to display my new list. The top 10 movies of 2016. With Sing Street at the top! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we'll see you guys next week. Adios. Later. Bye. Thank you. Bye now. Goodbye. Go away, Rick. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 